0: Alright, for the next several weeks leading up through Christmas, uh, it's going to be great. We're going to get into Isaiah chapter 9. You can take your Bibles and turn there now. Isaiah chapter 9. And we're going to get into, and you, you saw Amy and Tracy introduce themselves uh, by sharing what their names meant. So I just want to take a second. How many of you know what your name means? Raise your hand if you know. Okay, what's your name mean? Has a love for all things artistic. Say that again. Has a love for all things artistic. Love, okay, good. Nice. Michael, what's yours? Huh? Michael. <laughs> Michael what's, it, what's it mean? He who, like he who acts like God. I think so. Oh, nice. Okay. Let me ask this one It's got a Hallmark card. So it's it's important. If you don't know, you can Google it through the sermon. I'm sure that's what you're going to want to do. Find out what your name means. Uh, you know my story. I've shared before. I'm the youngest of seven. Uh, my mom was uh, 42, just shy of 42 when I was born. And my mom always just say, uh, John means God's gracious gift. And I think in Greek it means, are you kidding? You know, I'm not, I think that's kind of where way it went down. But all of us have names and meanings to our names. And so I love this study because we're going to get into the most magnificent, profound name ever uttered uh, from the lips of man and angels. And that's the name of what? Jesus. And so we can't say enough about Jesus. I heard a A disturbing story the other day on the news, Um, hard to believe that this actually happened, but this happened in Antarctica. It was the first attempted murder in Antarctica. Don't know if you knew that. Uh, And here's what happened. Uh, uh, It was a Russian scientist, and he was working with his comrade, and he actually attempted to kill him, tried to stab him to death. And the good news is he lived, and so they asked him, why would your good friend, former scientist, stab you? He said, we know there's a lot of isolation there in Antarctica, and uh, uh, my comrade loves to read, and as he would get to the end of every book, I would just tell him the ending. And there came a point when he just snapped, okay? Now, I'm going to just break the news to you gently right now. I'm going to tell you the ending, okay? I'm going to tell you the ending of the next five weeks, and the ending is the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names. And we're going to get into what that really means for each and every one of us. Matter of fact, I'd like you, with your scriptures, and this scripture is going to come up, Isaiah 9, verse 6. And let's read this together. And really, just let this kind of sink in these next few weeks of what this truly means. Isaiah 9, verse 6. Here we go. For to us, a child is born. To us, a child is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. As I read that, I think it's important for us, first of all, to step back and to say, who wrote the book of Isaiah? What was going on? Why these words were so profound then? Why they're so profound now? And there's two words that kind of help me to frame uh, reality, because we all go through this, every one of us experience. And here's the two words, expectations. And reality. For example, I guarantee some of you had grandiose expectations of Thanksgiving. And then the reality was something different. Am I right? Raise your hand if Thanksgiving was good. I'm, God, a few of you had terrible Thanksgivings, but it's just one of those things. We have this grandiose. So we're going into the highest season of expectation. So let me give you a few examples of what I mean uh, with some, some visuals here. Uh, we all want that perfect, especially if it's our first child or first grandchild, we want that, that perfect picture of our child with Santa. So here's that perfect picture of the child with Santa. And then here's the reality of what usually happens. Yeah. Am I right? Okay. Or we want that perfect, we always laugh about this in our house. We cannot take a good family picture, but we want that remarkable, natural family picture. It looks like that, but usually it ends up something like this. Yeah. You've all been there. Now, this will bring you a flashback to the 80s coming up. We expect when you're first married, that beautiful romantic picture looks something like this. Yeah. But here's here's what it can look like. Ouch! Whoa! How how many of you remember the floating head in the 80s? Am I going to houses? Whoa! Yeah. Well, we all have these high, going into Christmas, we have these really high expectations. And then right behind the expectations follow what? the reality. And we live in that tension every day of our lives. This morning I want to flip those two words because here's what Isaiah does. Isaiah, first of all, shares the reality and then he follows it up with expectations. And I love that. So let's talk first of all about the reality of his day. And I hope you see that there's a lot of, a lot of similarities from what we're experiencing in our day. Chapter 9, verse 1 and 2 starts out this way. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nepali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. Now, just so you have a little bit of background, Isaiah, if you were to rank prophets, he is probably the greatest of all the prophets, okay? His his writings are inspirational. They're they're just magnificent. Uh, Many say that Daniel may be the most influential because of the the prophecy of the, the end times, but as far as the overall scope, especially of Jesus, it's Isaiah. Isaiah's background was he was extremely wealthy. Uh, His writing came from uh, the southern kingdom, which is Judah, and he wrote from the beautiful city of Jerusalem. And at the time of the beginning of Isaiah, uh, the nation is extremely wealthy, and many times we can tell by his writing that they felt entitled. And out of their pride, Isaiah began to say, it's going to get hard. Times are going to get very dark. And sometimes as you read through Isaiah, And if you close your eyes, you can almost see the United States of America. As you read of some of the struggles that he shares about their nation, there's a lot of similarities that we have with our nation. Charles Swindoll said this, I'd never thought about it. The book of Isaiah is literally a Bible within a Bible. There are 66 books in the Bible. There are 66 chapters in Isaiah. There's 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. In the Old Testament, when we read that, we read about God's law and God's judgment on those who disobey, and when we get to the New Testament, we read of God's love, His grace, and His deliverance for salvation. In Isaiah, the first 39 chapters deals a lot with the laws and the disobedience of God's people, and then he wraps up those last 27 chapters with the hope for a future. So as you go through in these next few weeks, as we get into Isaiah, we'll see how powerful it is matter of fact, if you want some time, especially as you approach the Easter season, just pray through Isaiah 53 as he paints this excruciating, heartbreaking uh, picture of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And when he wrote, Isaiah wrote this, here's what's important to remember. There was an event that took place, a historical event, and from that historical event, the nation began to tumble. Uh, There was a king, and his, his name is King Uzziah. And he ruled for 52 years. And Judah had reached prosperity. They had never reached that point after Solomon except through this king. So they felt like life is great. He wasn't perfect, but at least he was pursuing God. But when he died, literally everything began to fall apart. It's interesting what happens when a king dies. February 6, 1952, King George VI died. And his daughter became the queen, and now her name is Queen Elizabeth, okay? And the real king, August 16th, 1977, I remember exactly where I was, when Elvis Presley died. Anybody remember that? Good, I want to see who's old in the room. Yeah, I remember that. Now, here's how, here's how crazy it was. I was playing pickup basketball, uh, and they are twins, uh, Fred and Chris. And my buddy Fred, I just, he, he wasn't playing with the full deck. Did you ever friend like that? Like... The dullest crayons in the box. I mean, that was kind of Fred. He would always say something, and you'd step back and go, that's the strangest thing I've ever... So the guy runs, a, runs out of his back door, and he goes, Elvis died, Elvis died. And we just I remember holding the basketball, and was just stunned silence. And then Fred goes, man, his record sales are going to go through the roof. <laughs> Good thought, Fred. Really, Merry Christmas, Fred. That's a great idea. When the king dies, and we don't understand this. I mean, the closest we have, of course, is uh, when John F. Kennedy was assassinated or when a, a president dies. Uh, but when a king died, uh, there was something profound about that. And when it was a king that actually was a decent king, uh, that was, that was, those were dark days. But we know from Psalms 146.3, it says this, don't put your trust in princesses or substitute Don't put your trust in kings who cannot save you. And then an awesome thought from God's word. He said, don't put your faith in kings. Don't put your faith in the government. Don't put your faith in preachers. You put your faith in God. You trust God. Why? Because only God can provide the one thing that we all need. What is that? Salvation. No human being is going to save you, but Jesus Christ is going to save you. So Isaiah is telling an entire nation, listen, I know that times are dark, but there's a light coming. The reality, though, times are going to be hard. We know about hard times. In 2018, uh, just think about all the brutal mass shootings that we've experienced just this year. Uh, It's hard to turn the TV on. The California fires, 87 dead, 600 Unaccounted for. And you watch as thousands of homes are destroyed and what? We can't do a thing about it other than watch darkness. Job twelve twenty two says he reveals the deep things of darkness and he brings utter darkness into what? Light. I love that. No matter how dark life is for you right now, there is a light. And the reality is life can get really hard. And I've shared this before, but I want to share it again. Is It drives me crazy uh, sometimes when I watch TV preachers and they make it sound like everything is always going to turn out great. Every package has a nice little bow on it. And we're like, when am I going to get the bow? We need to realize, no, life is hard, but there is light in the midst of the darkness that we all suffer through. So let me just talk a few minutes about Isaiah's reality by sharing what light means. First of all, light changes our perspective. It changes our perspective. Uh, Marie gets tired of me saying this, but it is so true. I, I really would never want to live in a large city, but I love visiting large cities. And uh, I'm really, I've shared this before, too. I'm a nerd. I go in a large city. I do the same thing every time. I ride a double-decker bus, and I get on that hopper, and I would love, love to hear the history of the city I would love to hop off and learn about that little area. I mean, it's just, it's one of my favorite things to do. And then we'll be walking along. I'll say, this is a perfect day. And Marie goes, don't say it. And I say it every time. But you know, at night, this whole place is going to totally flip. It's going to look totally different. And it does. I remember the first time I went to New York City. You can spend all day in New York City and it'll blow you away. At night, it takes on a whole nother perspective. That's what light does. Light gives us a totally different perspective. I love the title of this book by Sandra Graham on photography. Light changes everything. Isn't that true? It changes everything. John 12, listen very carefully. I love this observation from the Pharisees talking about Jesus. Right after Lazarus, listen to this. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb Raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people became and they heard what he had done with this miraculous sign, and he went out to meet him. And so the Pharisees listened to this, said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Isn't that awesome? You see their conclusion? We have followed this guy. We have tracked this guy. We've tried to pin this guy down with false narrative. Nothing works. And look what's happening. The entire world is drawn to him because light draws us in. And the light of Jesus just drew people in. I would have loved to have been with Jesus when he would walk into these little villages And to watch all the kids run and just sit on his lap and giggle and laugh. Why? Because I believe they were drawn to the light of Jesus. That's a great question this morning. Are you drawn to that light? Whatever darkness you're going through right now, are you drawn to the light of Jesus? Light also guides us. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. He wants to guide us. Psalm 119, 105, God's word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. Through his word, Isaiah is saying, if you just cling to God's promises, you'll find the light. And they didn't even realize the light that he was talking about, they would never see. They would only experience Jesus in another world. But That light is for us today, too. Jesus is here to guide us. You may have seen the movie, but the story behind it is pretty amazing. Apollo 13, uh, when they were up in space, and uh, they realized that they not only were going to get to the moon, the odds of them getting back home to Earth safely uh, were minuscule. But it was amazing. They all worked together in NASA to get them home. But when they were in space, they had actually done a documentary with Jim Lovell before he went up. And the question that I loved, the question was, as you go into space, is there anything in this training you've gone through in life that has prepared you for the fear you're going to experience? I mean, is is there any fear? And here's what Lovell shared, and I love this. He said, in the Korean War, I was flying over the Sea of Japan, and we had entered the combat zone. And when you enter a combat zone, the aircraft that you're going to land on, the carrier, they turn all their lights off. So you have to use your instruments to land. It's just pitch black. He said, but then the control panel, everything went off. It was totally black in the cockpit. And as I looked out at the ocean, I began thinking about how I'm going to just basically catapult out of this plane and try to survive in this ocean in this season of war but he said then when I looked down an amazing thing had happened the courier when it came through it just stirred up this algae and this particular algae is fluorescent so he said I looked down and he said it was as though there was a highway that led me home and had the cockpit not been completely dark I would have never seen it And then he paused and said, you never know what events will transpire to get you home. You know what I love about God? You never know what he's going to use to get you home. You never know what light God will draw you to, to pull you out of your, just your devastating times. Whatever whatever mud pit you're in in life, whatever garbage you're going through, there's a light out there that can lead you home. And it's amazing. When I look back at my life, I guarantee in your life, it's amazing how there's these dark seasons in our life and there's this light that comes into our life and it slowly takes us home. And what is home? Being in the presence of God. That's where he wants us. That's what light does. It guides us. I mean, this morning, I hope some of you that are going through difficult times, I pray that God's light will bring you home. And again, there's countless ways that that light can show up. And last of all, light defeats the darkness. It totally defeats the darkness. In Luke 1, 79, it says this, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. God's light will always, always defeat the darkness of this world. Always. We serve a God of surprises. And just when it gets the darkest, you know what they say? The darkest is always right before dawn. God's light shows up. You just never know how. I read this and it it got to me because I've shared before we have a puppy so I can kind of relate to this. Um, But uh, this woman who had been married for years and years had lost her husband and it was the worst Christmas coming. Anybody know the worst Christmas? It's always the first Christmas after you've lost somebody you love. Some of you are probably going through that this Christmas. And to top it off, have you ever noticed that the weather, I've always said this, when I'm really down, it seems like the weather matches my mood. Uh, I remember when my brother-in-law was battling cancer, and I knew this was probably the last time I was going to see him. It was a terrible, I remember driving, and it was just rainy and gray, and and I just, and there was flooding. Like in the St. Louis area in the spring, it floods a lot, and I'm like, like this is exactly how I feel and that's how this woman was feeling. There was a huge snowstorm that rolled in, and not only now was she lonely, but now she felt isolated, and she said to herself, I'm not even going to put my Christmas decorations. Why would I? And all of a sudden, she couldn't believe it, this delivery truck pulls up in the snowstorm, and as a teenage kid gets out, and he said, are you so-and-so? And she said, yes. He goes, I want to double-check. You're Martha Hope. And She said, yeah, I'm Martha. And he goes, well, I'll be right back. So he goes out to the truck, has a box, comes up, walks up. He said, may I come inside? She said, sure. And he said, uh, you'll need to open the, the box. And she takes the lid off, and there's this little, beautiful puppy. She said, what's up with this puppy? And he said, well, ma'am, it's all explained here in the letter. And this is a golden Labrador. It's six, week old, six weeks old. It's been housebroken. It was purchased seven months ago, by your husband. And so she opened the letter. And he said, I knew this was going to be a hard Christmas. And so I got you a puppy. And I just want you to know how much I've loved you. And I want this to remind you of how deeply our love is for one another. But don't feel bad. We're going to meet again. So for this Christmas... Just take care of this puppy. She picked the puppy up, and she said, how about we go downstairs and get out those Christmas decorations? I've got a box that I think you're going to love. The light of Jesus shows up in so many ways in all of our lives. You may not even like Christmas, but I bet you like Christmas lights because everything changes with the light of Christ. And Isaiah paints this amazing reality. And then he says, but there is something that you need to expect. And here's the expectation. In verses 4 through 6, he paints this beautiful picture. For as in the day of the Midianites defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood, will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. You see what Isaiah said? Here's the reality. Life is hard and there will be darkness. But in the midst of the darkness, like a farmer waiting for harvest, like a soldier who cleans the mud off of his boots and the blood off of his garments and counts the bounty, this darkness is going to come to an end because there's a light coming. You need to expect this light, and this light will change the world forever. They had no idea. I don't even know if Isaiah knew completely what he was writing, but he was writing about Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about in these weeks to come this Savior of the world that we can expect to change our lives forever. That little phrase, for us, a child is born. Jesus is coming. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that light? If you're like me, as a parent, you've all experienced this. Especially with my son Caleb. First time we ever went to Disney... Uh, It's kind of like what you expect and then the reality. So the expectations is this is going to be the greatest day of their life. The reality is I'm broke and this is miserable. So anyway, we're, (laughs) we're going through, three kids, and of course they're all different heights. You know what's coming. You go up to especially Space Mountain and you have to be 42 inches. It's always and I can still see my son, and I'm like, not quite tall enough, but Mickey Mouse loves you, and he goes, that's just a stupid, you know, I mean, good times. Anyway, you all remember what that's like. So I read this sign, I'm like, that is a brilliant sign. Somebody bought a sign for their children's room, and it said, you must be this short to enter my room. I love that, that's payback, isn't it? I mean, and so the mother that saw the sign, and it was kind of bothered by it, she goes, well, that's kind of That's kind of hard. I don't know what I'm going to do. Because it looks like my child doesn't want me in his room. And it was cute, but now I don't know what I'm going to do. about. And then she had the idea. Of course, what was the idea? Well, of course I can enter his room. I just need to get on my knees at his level to enter the room. That's what Jesus did. He got down right at our level. And he came into our world. And he wasn't born in a palace like a king. He was born in a manger, like a servant. He came to us. And as these weeks unfold, don't ever lose sight of that. He came to us. His light will penetrate your darkness. That's the king. That's the ultimate king. You know what I love about this king? He will never die, and he will never leave us.